0: Sound
1: logic podcast yes. two guys with no
2: credentials reviewing rolling stone 500 greatest it? album
1: welcome back everyone and thanks for joining us again here on the sound logic podcast and today we're discussing album number 43 on rolling stone magazine's top 500 greatest album list This is The Low End Theory by A Tribe Called Quest. In the days when I was a Often for uh, albums that Mike and I
0: aren't too familiar with We'll ask guests to join us for these episodes We're really excited to have one tonight um, Sometimes we will shoulder tap people who we know are fans of an album Sometimes we'll put a social media call out And uh, this time I actually did a bit of Facebook stalking Did a search for Tribe Called Quest and found out that I've got a friend who's actually written some beautiful Facebook posts about this group and the impact they've had on his life. So I'm really excited to have uh, my friend Manuel Rosaldo here with us. Um, He is the Assistant Professor of Labor and Employment Relations at Penn State University and Dr. Rosaldo, I guess I should say. Um, But I know him uh, for far more than that. We're sort of kindred spirits, I guess, Manuel, in that we are both people who show up in lots of different places and lots of different ways, and it's been amazing to see our paths cross from time to time. I think our first interaction was at a a bike trip send-off that Pennsylvania Interfaith Power and Light organizes uh, a state college to Washington, D.C. ride every year. You rode up on your bike to see what this was all about. I was one of the cyclists heading out of town, so we made a date to meet up at um, Webster's, drink coffee, and get to know each other a little bit more. More. And through that, I've figured out that you show up in lots of different kinds of ways, especially in the labor um, and fair wage movement. Um, Mike, can you guess how low Pennsylvania's minimum wage is? Something ridiculous like seven twenty-five an hour, or something like that. Maybe it's not even as high as that these days. But
1: um, oh, I thought you were going to get me to guess
2: unfortunately it's, that's right 725 yeah 725, 283 so. for wow. uh, for tipped workers
0: 283 uh <laughs> so that's a that's uh not even wow. a big Macs worth of uh of uh pay there for wow, wow, for that wow, wow. um and uh so yeah having a person like this who i know cares about justice cares about equality and cares about music is someone right in our wheelhouse and um Thank you so much, Manuel, for being here, for being able to give your voice to this uh, album—one uh, that Mike and I know little about—and we're happy to have you here.
2: Thanks so much, Ben. I really appreciate the uh, introduction, and I and I really appreciate. Uh, who you are in in our community, too, and, and the fact that you are also someone who shows up in so many spaces.
0: A lot less since I've switched uh, to being a stay-at-home dad these days, but, uh, but I still have my heart out there, even if my physical body's not always. <laughs>
2: I I I, uh, I can I can appreciate that too, and I, I would love as a as a new father myself, I would I would love to uh, pick your brain about that at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it.
1: Well, we can get going here. I don't know. I feel like there's a bit of a bromance going on. I don't want to give you guys a few minutes, maybe.
0: <laughs> I mean, not only that, we found out off Mike before we began oh, yeah. that uh, Manuel has some uh, ties to Listowel, Ontario, of all places, which is where Mike was born, which is yep. kind of amazing. So we've got... Um, amazing three people with canadian roots here uh canadian connections at least and uh we'll try and talk through an album uh hip-hop artists not from uh canadian roots but uh we'll see where that takes us
1: absolutely let's just kick things right off and go into some details here details 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 all right, The Low End Theory was released September 24th, 1991. This was uh, a Tribe Called Quest's second studio album. Um, all the songs were produced by uh, the group, uh, and they were written by Jonathan Davis, that's Q-Tip, Ali Shaheed Muhammad, uh, that's uh, Mr. Muhammad, and Malik Taylor, uh, Fife Dog, the late Fife Dog. Um, and they all, they all collaborated on the album. Uh, you hear the voices... Um, you hear q-tips voice i think very prominently but you hear all you hear both those voices a lot we'll get into some of that a little later uh it it charted pretty well i mean this is early days of hip-hop it went to number 58 in the uk number 45 in the us uh on the there was an r&b and and hip hop chart for billboard and i think it went to number 13 i didn't write that down um And it has been certified platinum in the U.S., so I think totals are around just over a million. Um, And it got to that number quite quickly in the U.S. I think by, like, 95, it was certified platinum. So upon its release, um, the commercial potential of this album was doubted by some of the critics, some of the executives. uh, And then they released their... uh, two additional singles so jazz we've got in scenario the first single i believe was check the rhyme that's right check the rhyme was the first single and uh and then they did two more and that really started to get a lot of attention and popularity to pick up um as i mentioned by by february 1st 95 was certified platinum um and this was their second straight album to get a five mic perfect five mic rating in the source magazine Um, They are the only group to ever uh, win this coveted accolade twice, so that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, The Source magazine at the time was uh, the most important hip-hop magazine, and getting this coveted five mics uh, was like, it's like the holy grail. Nobody gets that. You hear lots of people rap about it, uh, about (laughs) how they want it, um, but this group actually got it on their first album, got it on their second album, and their third album was also, arguably, uh, even even better, and 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 probably should have gotten it too. So they they just it's like like hitting hitting grand slams their their first times up.
1: That's really cool.
0: Mike and I were uh, seven turning eight when this album came out, Uh, eight turning, eight (laughs) turning nine, something like that. Um, So it was not on our radar. Are you old enough, Manuel, that it was uh, something that you remember as a youngster when it came out?
2: It was on my radar. I was, I was 11. um, And, (laughs) and I was just starting to listen uh, to the radio. And, and I definitely remember scenario was, was such a, and it's it's regarded as kind of possibly the best posse cut where you have a bunch of rappers on, on the same uh, song, uh, possibly the best of, of all time and so, so I just remember that song um, and then it was maybe a year or two later that my brother uh, my older brother he's four years older uh, bought the tape and and I, I dubbed the tape off of him, and uh, and <laughs> and it was it, it blew my mind. I mean, I, I, it was it was probably my favorite album at the time. Awesome. So that was that was my that was like my my eighth grade jam, I guess. I was a little bit late <laughs> to it, but uh, but I do remember it.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. On this album, uh, this is known as where uh, Fife Dog really really made his his breakout debut um he was barely featured on their first album and he almost quit the group after being diagnosed with diabetes in uh in 1990 um but uh q-tip convinced him to to get on the album and uh take things a little more seriously so he obviously did and we hear him coming out they had a third rapper Jerobi, and he left the group and so the songs mainly go back and forth between uh Fight dog and q-tip which is a really cool dynamic
0: There's some legend of, like, the two of them bumping into each other on the street and um, sort of cute-tip turning to him and being like, "Um, are you going to take it seriously? Like, we really need you to commit. Like, are you going to take it seriously? And, And being like, well... The last the last album did pretty well i guess i guess i'm all in kind of like that sort of thing that like breaking point where it could have gone either way <laughs> and uh, <laughs> a legend of like you know what might have never happened had he sort of been like nah nah I'm, i got other stuff to deal with right now i'm done
2: in the two of them it, it actually we we were uh before the podcast uh started you, you were talking about uh your friendship with each other and, yeah. it, and it made me think about Q-Tip and, and Fife because they knew each other since they were uh, four years old. They, they grew up huh. in the same neighborhood in, in Jamaica, Queens. They went to church together. Uh, and apparently when uh, they were about nine or 10, Fife started listening to, to hip hop and and uh, said to Q-Tip, uh, we, we can do this. And, uh, and convinced Q-Tip to, to start rapping with him. And they recorded their first demo when they were, uh, I think, just 12 years old. Um, and wow. uh, and so, they, so, so the chemistry you, you feel between the two of them on this album you know, is, the, is the product of, of a real, deep, organic uh, friendship um and and somehow um, it, it translates just beautifully into the music
1: I, I definitely got that sense I didn't know any of that history but you really feel a connection between them it's so smooth and 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 just a, you can tell something else is going on there that's really great
2: yeah and you know they like I said their first three albums are are, are heralded as as classics. Their fourth and their fifth album, uh, not so much. They were commercially successful, but nobody likes them as much. And, and what we learned in retrospect was that there were, all of a the sudden there was a lot of tension and distance between the two of them. And despite them trying to cover it up in the albums, uh, um, they, they somehow the, the albums didn't have, have the same cohesiveness And, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, you know, so so a piece of the magic, I guess, was, was lost. Um, so, so, you know, just, just gives more appreciation for, uh, for, for this, this time during low end theory, when they were really clicking.
0: Mike, you mentioned earlier, the, um, the hesitation, the studios weren't quite sure what to make of this album, um. I watched a very short clip from a a documentary on sort of a looking back on this album this week. And they were saying it was a prominent hip hop artist who came along a little bit later who was saying there was some concern because they knew that they were sampling uh, from older jazz records, that they were trying to be um, a little bit more mainstream and a little bit more radio friendly and that it was just going to fall flat because it was it was not going to have the edge of their first album. It didn't have the same feel as their first album. It was dramatically different. But um, people latched on to it in a way. I, I I don't think that anyone looking back would say it was because it was more commercial. But maybe you would be able to speak to that, Manuel, as someone who knows their canon and knows that arc. Um, does this one have less street cred? Or, <laughs> or does it have more sort of pop radio sensibility than their other albums? Um uh, or is it just like really really good
2: yeah um well what what i had heard was that their their first album it 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 did well but not as well as as they were hoping for um okay. and this is their first album was one that they were working on since they were like 14 or 15 and uh for many years and um and qtip uh, who's really the visionary of the group, and he's he, he raps and he he works with Ali Shahid Muhammad on the beats, and he he just uh, said we need to uh, reinvent ourselves and do something radically different mm. uh, from any sound uh, that's out now, um, and. Uh, and so what they, they did, they, they, they got a lot more complex with, with the sampling and they, and they went back to these bebop records, uh, that, that their parents listened to, uh, and, and they also put a lot more bass into it. And so the, the title of the album, Low End Theory, uh, Mm -hmm. refers, uh, both, uh, to the bass and the, the 808 speakers, uh and the um and also uh to the position of black men uh, on the lower end of of social hierarchies. Hmm. Um but uh but they um and I think the outcome was it it it, it was uh uh, catchy, but it was hard at the same time. And it was, and it was a harder sound, uh, more, I I would say if anything more street than, than the first album was. Uh, and there's a big question mark of how, of how people would respond, but, uh, but obviously it worked.
0: I think in this same uh, documentary, Questlove calls it uh, uh, "Sergeant Pepper's-esque," um, which is funny because I think he said the same thing about D'Angelo's Voodoo when we were talking about that album. But um, maybe, maybe both of them, in a, in a way, kind of like break the mold and reinvent what the genre can be. Um, and yeah, it's it's really interesting. Uh, to, to dive into. Um, I'm getting dangerously into actually talking about the album here, Mike. So maybe we need to <laughs> uh, continue on with the more details.
1: <laughs> well, the, the last thing I want to mention, and I think it's important. Um, you said that they had fifth, five albums. Unfortunately, five dog passed away about five years ago in 2016 in March. Um, he was 45 uh, due to complications related to his diabetes. And then in November that year, uh, Tribe Called Quest released uh, their, their fifth album uh, after he had passed. Uh, he does have a posthumous album called Forever that's set to be released later this year. So it'd be very interesting to hear what's what's on that um, and, and where all those recordings come from. That's great. I want to talk a bit about this album artwork. Now, I I know I've seen this before, but I couldn't have told you that it was the low-end theory. Um to me, it's a very recognizable image. Now, uh, like I always say, you know, if you're listening, go go and Google the image, Low End Theory, <laughs> uh, so you can see it. But it looks to me like somebody with glow-in-the-dark body paint, uh, red and green. And I didn't see any info on this. Do either of you have any info on, on kind of the creation? Because this is not the only time we see this individual. Uh, I, I think it's their next album. That has this as well, or was it the first one? Uh,
2: uh, no, I think it's uh, their next two albums have this on the cover as well. Okay, uh, have have the same same image. Mm. Uh, it becomes kind of cartoonified. I think by their uh, by their fourth album, um, and a lot of their videos do as well. And so these are uh, it's of course the, the red, black, and and green body paint uh for uh black power um and then it's on on the figure of a of a, a woman uh and you know i one thing that it evokes for me uh is uh the combination of uh an afrocentric uh black power type type message, but it's, but it's also kind of fun and playful. And, um, and uh, I think that a tribe called Quest um, is, is a group that, uh, that, that certainly has um, a politics, um, but it's not going to be like public enemy right in your face. It's going to be, there's going to be a lot more, playfulness and and other other topics uh um discussed and and then they'll they'll um but they'll they'll use a color scheme like that to
1: um to allude to what their their under underlying politics is i didn't know what to expect i know we're i don't want to jump ahead but i didn't know what to expect in terms of that because we listened you know we listened to uh, takes a nation a millions to hold us back and, and those messages are as you said, are right up in your face. they're throughout the album. This album, it's a little they're there but they're a little more subtle. Uh, they're a little more hidden. There's a lot more, as you said, playfulness. Um, and I like I think this cover fits well. There's a little bit of mystery behind it for me too. It's you can't see the face, so there's some some things that are hidden and I think that's significant as well. Ben, anything to add there?
0: No, just that it's uh, a really eye-catching cover. I forget. I watched a video for one of the songs this week, and it was like, um, at one point in the video, it was just playing with that image. It was almost like a strobe effect where the different colors would kind of go in and out uh, all over her body. And uh, I don't know. It's like, you don't often see that the, the group or artist falling so in love with a specific cover reference that they then carry it through to other elements uh, I maybe the only example that really quickly comes to mind is like Jamirqua with their like weird afro horn logo guy who kind of gets reused then throughout their almost as a logo right but this feels different than that yeah. this is like a artistic choice um um mm-hmm. which i think is really cool to to sort of see the way that it has a ripple effect then for the rest of their careers
1: manuel you you mentioned a little bit about um your older brother introducing you to this to this music so some of
2: my my memories of uh this album in in middle school and high school uh was that um it was such a vibe and i you know I grew up in uh Palo alto California and affluent town and didn't, uh, you know, uh, couldn't necessarily, uh, relate to the life experiences of, of, uh, of Q-tip and, and Fife growing up in Jamaica, Queens, but I would throw on this album and it would like transport me to another world. Um, and so I remember, uh, you know, I remember painting to it. I used to paint with watercolors and cartoon, and uh, and it was the type of album you could you could just throw on. You didn't have to skip any of the tracks, uh, and um, and it was it was just it was such a, a, a deep feeling of uh, transporting me to whatever feeling the. Uh, musicians were 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 trying to create, and it was which was generally a good good feeling, you know. It was a, uh, you know, Q Tip talks about about positivity, not negativity, um, and so this was kind of my my happy place. And and when I was angry, I would I would throw on, you know, Dr. Dre or something else to uh, to feel those those feelings. But you know, I have memories of walking in nature to the baylands uh and like just lying in the grass and and you know looking at the clouds and you know i didn't smoke weed but i had i i probably would have would have lit up uh and uh and just just feeling the music enter my body and and uh and uh you know it was um Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So anyway, what I most associate with it is, is a feeling and later driving, uh, listening to the music. And this is music that, uh, you know, they, they say was created to shake the Jeep. Uh, and it's when, um, you know, sound (laughs) systems and cars were getting bigger and more sophisticated. Um, and so, so one of the, uh, big challenges uh, for um, the, the sound engineer when they're creating the album was like, how do you uh, create uh, this, this kick drum uh, that's, that's going to be powerful enough to shake the Jeep uh, without uh, overpowering the lyrics and the jazz samples. And, uh, and they, they managed to do it and uh <laughs> Anyway, so this is this is music that, that that penetrates, and and generally takes me takes me to a um, a real positive. Vibe.
0: Um, I think this is another one where if we weren't careful, we could probably go on and do uh, half an hour on each track just because there's so many layers and yeah. and stuff to them. So I don't know. Like, do we want to start with um, uh, our favorites and then? manuel can play cleanup hitter and like cover the things that we missed um
1: I almost want to talk about, you know, some of the lyrics, like some favorite lyrics. I know you've typed out a few things here, Manuel. Um, you know what? Maybe we'll come back to that. Maybe we'll come back to some lyrics because there's some great moments uh, that we could kind of get lost and maybe we'll just pick a few. Um, I'd love to do all of them, but I think we'd be stretching our time if we did love <laughs> them. Um, the first couple times I listened to it, I, I did listen to it on my cell phone, which... I hate doing that. I don't know why I do it because it just sounds like junk, but then I I listened to it. I have a real, I got, I want a nice Bluetooth speaker on the radio and I was doing some stuff and had it on and, and the, just to hit off the album. And I'm glad you mentioned the, I didn't think about the correlation between the name of the album, the low end theory, but it's starting with uh, an upright bass riff. Um, You really need some good set of speakers to, to pick up that lower sound, but uh starting it off i think sets the tone of the album so well with that acoustic sound Um, even though the the drums i think are programmed they're sampling acoustic drums it sounds like to me anyways um so you get this kind of setup for this acoustic sound and then a very uh, straight rhythmic lyric Uh, i really like excursions i think it's a great opening track um maybe not my favorite um man there's so many good ones but but i guess i'll just start with that that the opening track really sets up the album
2: yeah i uh i i thought uh excursions was such a a beautiful uh way to uh to open the album and and uh and and that track it's all uh q-tip and, uh, and I think his um, opening lines of the, of the album are so deep. He, he says, back in the days when I was a teenager, before I had status, before I had a pager, you could find the abstract, which is his nickname listening to hip-hop my pops used to say it reminded him of bebop well daddy uh i said well uh daddy don't you know that things go in cycles way that bobby brown is just amping like michael um and uh and and it's that that idea i think of cycles and uh and that he's he's literally digging through his his dad's records uh and using them to make something else uh, and and uh, and showing uh, this continuity of, of black music uh, um, that you know is so powerful is a big piece of what makes the whole whole album uh, so so powerful. So I um, I thought the comparison between uh, Bobby Brown and and Michael Jackson there didn't didn't. Uh, age so well, uh, and that that uh, that there's no way you should be comparing those two artists. Um, but uh, but the the the, uh, the line about about his dad to me just brings home uh, the 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 real like heart heart of this this uh, album. Um, so it, I thought it was a perfect way to open it up.
0: I really like that too. I like the way that the upright bass and that lyric sort of reminds the listener: we're gonna draw on the past here. Uh, we're gonna make something yeah. new, but we're gonna um, we're gonna build on something that's come before. Um, I, I think I, I think there have been numerous moments where white supremacy has created this sense in the black community that. Um, that you're trying to get rid of your blackness to, to fit in. And I think moments like these where the black community reminds itself, no, 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 we come from good things. We come from good roots are like just so crucial. Um, and set the stage for, I think, a lot of the, the undertones uh, that come on on other tracks. Um, funny, this is not like as profound or deep as, as the stuff that the two of you have mentioned, but the lyric that, that jumped out to me was... Um, If I get the credit, then I think I deserve it. If you fake moves, don't fix your mouth to word it. And I kept hearing that as fake news. And I was like, wow, they were like way ahead of their time from what we're going through right now. (laughs) They they keep talking about fake news in this song. And uh, uh, yeah, so it's funny to then like pull that out and pull up the the lyrics and be like, oh, I just have it wrong. (laughs) But I think it still applies. It's still a a really good reference to the context. (laughs) that's
1: funny Ben any other any other track for you
0: yeah so this is getting dangerously close to just going track by track but um and the way that that second trap opens up with that iconic yo microphone check one two what is this yo! That line, I feel like I—I've never listened to this album before. I knew that line deep in my soul somewhere, almost as if like this is a thing that someone crafted that just like is now what the genre is supposed to be. Like that—that that line just has so much iconic weight that um, you know it's part of the ether of what hip hop is. Uh, and to, and so to hear it in its origin was like jarring, almost like, oh, this is where that's from. Wow. Uh, I, I don't know. Kind of an, uh, shows my ignorance, I guess, about the genre. But um, wow, just a, kind of a, a really cool way. And I... As much as um, the first track is just an incredible uh, table setter for this album to sort of introduce you to the journey that you're going to go on, I think there's like a drop in tone on that second track that that shows just the depths that they're going to go um, to, Um, and bugging Out I think is just a really great follow-up to that opening track to to kind of set the table together, I guess. Um, yeah.
2: and that, that lyric is uh, Fife Dog's first lyric on the on the um, on the album, and and pra- and that's kind of that's kind of his introduction to the world, really. Um, so it's uh, uh, and it's the start of on the album of this this dynamic interplay uh, and call and response between uh, Fife and Pith. Um, so I I, I yeah. think uh, um you're right, that is a real big moment uh on the album
0: And kind of an amazing one too the at least how I understand it, he kind of scribbled the lyrics together on a, on the subway on the way to the studio, showed up late and they're like, where have you been? the mic's on, you're up like you just sort of like, Sweatily walks in and starts the, into that track, and that's what we get. This sort of iconic <laughs> moment. Um, it's brilliant to sort of like think about that as it's. Uh, I don't know how much of that is sort of legend after the fact, but but pretty cool that that's that's from that moment.
2: You know, a lot of this album, it, it really sounds like a New York cipher with. You know, a bunch of rappers coming yeah. together and and uh, and improvising, and and from what I understand, there was a lot of freestyling uh, that went into the lyrics, and you can and you can hear it in the in the lyrics that there, you know, there are a lot of non sequiturs and 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 types of connections uh, that um, that they're that they're drawing. Uh, because they're they're just riffing, uh, which which uh, you know mm-hmm. gives uh, the the whole album this this very uh, fresh and, and spontaneous uh, feeling. Maybe it's less less coherent politically in part because of uh, of a, because because of the freestyle nature. That's not like there there's a they're, yeah. they're carefully. Uh, crafting um you know what they're what they're going to say in in each stanza and and uh you know how what what story they want to tell in each song a lot of it's it's been you know has this very spontaneous feel
0: yeah i like that i like that a lot and i like um i i I, it sounds like what i think a soundtrack should be for walking around new york city like i think there's they've without like recording street noise they've somehow like captured the mood of of walking through a crowded urban landscape um it's really really interesting to to sort of capture something without actually literally capturing it but I like that parallel too that you've drawn.
2: Yeah. you hear a lot of people say this, is, this, this album is, a, a was a soundtrack mm. to their lives.
1: Uh, I, I think mm. for just that reason. Well, Ben and I have given our offerings. So uh, we turn it over you, to you, Manuel, we, <laughs> to, uh, to guide us through a little more of this. So, I mean, I know this, this whole album is very, uh, Important to you, and you probably love all of it. Um, and I wish we had time to hear about you know every every moment of it. But if you could highlight just a few things for us, if there was a few tracks or moments that you wanted to really share with everyone, uh, what what would you what would you share with us at this time?
2: So I think my my favorite track uh, is "Check the Rhyme," which was was the first single off of the album, and. Um, I think it, it's a, a track that, that really uh, captures this, this dynamic back and forth uh, between Q-Tip and Fife Dog. Uh, and uh, and and they're actually, um, you know, rather than uh, having Q-Tip do a verse over here and Fife do a verse over there, uh, they're they're interweaving the verses, and then they've got this call and response uh, on the hook, uh, where so so one of them says, uh, Q-Tip says, Fife, you remember that routine? When we used to make spiffy like mr clean um um a tidbit um a smidget i don't get the message so so you got to run the pigeon hey you on point fife all the time pit tip you on point fife all the time tip and they they uh uh they, they use that that uh that hook but they switch it up uh um on each on each verse Um, and, uh, um, you know, that's, that's definitely a favorite moment, uh, for me on the album, uh, just just the uh the the chemistry and you know and and again you can you can feel it as as a you know something that uh that that must have been created kind of spontaneously in a moment uh and and it uh feels so alive yeah that's got to be one of my
1: favorites too
0: um i'm really drawn to the back and forth now that you mentioned it on what um, hmm. it does also feel like a call and response track um, even though it's only one voice uh, it I don't know, it was really interesting I I had it in my headphones as I was uh, in one ear, riding safely around on my bicycle this week Um, uh, and just having that like I don't know, I was struck by the pace of this album and that song in particular maybe just feels like a heartbeat, like it felt like a really good uh, album to have on while I was working my body because it just felt like there's this rhythm here that is constantly going back and Forth. maybe it is that interplay <laughs> um i don't even know that i have a good question here but i i think you're helping me start to understand something about that and and what is the track for some reason that i keep going back to it's like there's there's more here than just this like back and forth uh, little rhyme that, that he keeps uh weaving deeper and deeper um yeah i don't know if you have any thoughts about that yeah
2: i think it's i think it's just such a it's a such a fun and Playful and zany track, and uh, and so this is a, a track where every line on the whole whole um, track starts with with uh, with what? So and it's a question. Yeah. Uh, and um, one of the things that gets me is is how um, quickly they they move between uh, serious and and uh, and, uh, and, uh, and And goofy topics. So uh, there's a a part that says, What's Alex Haley if he doesn't have roots? What's a weekend if you ain't if you ain't knocking boots? What's a black nation without black <laughs> unity? What is a child who doesn't know puberty? Um, <laughs> and so you're you're going from um, talking talking about uh, um, uh, clearly some some serious political uh, writing and and uh, and messaging yeah. and and, uh, and some uh, um, you know potty humor yeah. <laughs> part of the niche that, that a tribe called Quest found for themselves was that they, they came up during the golden age of, of hip hop from the, the mid 1980s until the early 1990s um, when you really see a, 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 a huge elevation in the sophistication of, of lyrics and, and beats and um, and you also see these, these subgenres of, of hip hop starting to form um, where you've got your gangster rap over here and your um, political rap over here and your, your artsy rap over there and, and your, your <laughs> pop rap over here and they're kind of dancing in between it all without fully committing to, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in this box. I'm going to be in that box. Um, you know, they, um, they're all over the place and it, and it makes them feel a lot more, uh, human and real, I think, uh, rather than, than trying to live up to, to one, uh, particular image um, they are, um, you know, presenting themselves as these flawed and, and complex, uh, people who, uh, you know, have all these, these different facets to their, their personalities interacting at once. So mm. that's, that's, uh, mm. a, a mouthful, but that's, that's part of what the song makes me think of.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Manuel, do you want to take... A few minutes to elaborate a little more on the golden age of hip-hop. Um, I think we've got enough time that if you wanted to uh, share a little bit about that, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, sure.
2: Um, so the golden age of, of hip-hop, um, as I mentioned, it, it kind of goes from the mid-1980s to the, the early 1990s. Um, and One thing that I I think of uh, is uh, that, you know, there was a a time when when hip-hop first burst on the scene in the early 1980s when people assumed that it was a a temporary fad and that it was going to go in the direction of Mm -hmm. disco and have kind of a a short shelf life. (laughs) And a lot of the artists also have very, very short uh, careers, and um and i think it was really this this moment in the mid 80s to the early 90s when uh when the art form was was elevated so much and uh and the popularity of it uh, uh began to uh expand things things started to shift in my experience of this as you know growing up in this predominantly white, uh, affluent, uh, city in, in California was that when I started, I, I loved, you know, hip hop since, uh, really since elementary school. Um, and, and in sixth grade and seventh grade, uh, when I was listening to this stuff, uh, a lot of my friends would look at me like I was weird and they would, um, and, and people would even <laughs> say, you know, I like all music except for rap. And they would talk about how much they hated rap mm. in, in my school. And by the time I got to high school, um, those same kids were listening to rap. And by the time I got to college, uh, mm. you know, uh, and I, I started, Traveling abroad, it was like everybody was was uh, was listening uh, to to rap. So, anyway, I'm I'm going on a, a, a tangent here, um, but I, I do think this this album is is uh, is part of this, this pivotal moment um, in in the art form when when the art form really could have gone in another direction. And, uh, and, hmm. uh, and it, it was a, a set of artists who, who, who innovated it and, uh, and, um, and showed, you know, uh, what, what the, what the actual potential of, of, of the music was. And then in, in my, I, I mean, uh, people might disagree, but in my opinion, as an art form, it, it, it hip hop has never really surpassed that peak of the early 1990s. Um, mm. When and I bet mm. if you look at even on the the Rolling Stone list, you, you're going to see the majority probably of the hip hop albums that that are there from the early 1990s would be my guess, uh, and. It's and I think people have done as, things that are as good as, as the music of that time, um, but it's uh, but you know that that was um, you know the 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 real the real uh, transform, transformational moment, um, and that's that's one of the things that makes this album uh, so exciting.
0: See, that's why we need these guests on the program because that provides us with a context that Mike and I don't have as people not in the genre, in the space to, to sort of understand where it falls in history and how it fits with with um, the rest of the canon sort of. Um, yeah, I think <clears throat> we're seeing um, the lists. I think you're right. The So far, at least, there is a lot from that era. There's also a decent amount that is from the last five years. Uh, I don't know if we're seeing like another resurgence here currently, um, but Kendrick Lamar, especially, and Kanye, both of them have a decent number of albums um, that probably are going to start to skew that number a little higher. Um, we'll see as we go um, how it how it holds up, but yeah. One reason
2: I think that that might be is that a lot of the artists who came out in the early 1990s, uh, they they didn't go away. You know, like the Jay Zs mm-hmm. and the Nas's were still making, dominating uh, the rap game, and the Dr. Dre's all the way through the first decade of the 2000s. And it's almost yeah. like like they those those artists uh, had to had to fade to create the space I think for, for yeah. another generation of artists like Kendrick Lamar, mm-hmm. uh, to, to come out and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and move, move the, the, the genre in a new direction. Um, so anyway, that would just be, be one, one, uh, hypothesis of why, why we might, uh, be seeing, uh, um, a, a bit of a Renaissance in, in hip hop.
0: There was also some awareness, I think, of the the chaos of the Biggie and Pac deaths, and I think like a, a recentering, and holding on to the artists that they valued in that era too. That I'm guessing um, the tragedy of their lives being lost probably raised up the ones who remained to another level as well, and held them in the in the limelight a little bit longer, perhaps than if it was a fuller sort of field if they had both survived i, I don't know that's another speculation but um. <laughs> mike looking in the other direction um you're you're <laughs> a, a jazz connoisseur in a way that i am admittedly not uh were you able to pick up samples from this as things that oh. you've listened to on jazz radio or is it um
1: i i'm not nearly that uh, <laughs> that familiar um there No, I wasn't able to pick out. I I mean, looking at the list of samples, I recognize some of the names of the artists and some of the names of the tracks. I'm sure if we had an expert like our our good friend and former co-host, Jason Crane on, I I bet you he'd be able to pick out some of it because he's kind of lived in that world for a long time. Um, But uh, the only one I picked out was when uh, Q-Tip, starts to sing, uh, I'm leaving on a jet plane, I'm leaving, <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving. I thought he was going to sing the whole thing. <laughs> so that, that's not a jazz song. Um, <laughs> but I, I picked out on that, but, uh, no, I, I don't think I was able to, I mean, some th- samples can be so tricky. Yeah. Um, because you know, you, you, you play with pitch, you play with tempo, you play with tone, uh compress it you know do all sorts of stuff um and that's i think one of the the beautiful things about sampling is you get to be when i was younger i was i was really down on you know because i played acoustic instruments i played saxophone in band i learned the acoustic guitar and and i remember we were really down on hip-hop artists and on sampling because it was just stealing um yeah as you and i've been going through this journey and listening to all these wonderful albums and these artists and sampling, I'm hearing it with new ears and that it's, it's, it's like taking a paintbrush and dipping it in paint and mixing it around. Like that's what they're doing where they're taking pieces of this music and then they're just playing, they're playing as a sculptor would or an artist or, or anything and and just experimenting with it you know, maybe hours and hours and hours in the studio with one sample, just tweaking it and playing with it and having fun with it. Finally, you get it to the pitch you want and you build your song around it. And I think that's, uh, just really, really fun. And I think there's great artistry in that. And I'm glad that I'm able to see that with, with new, with an open mind, uh, more than in my, uh, stubborn youth, not able to (laughs) enjoy that because, um, that great uh, website that you turned us on to uh who sampled uh, manuel thank you for that because you can click on the sample and then it'll tell you okay this sample is at 39 seconds in and you can go and hear where they took the sample from and you can go and listen and go oh well that's but that's two steps higher well they've slowed it down and pitched it down and had it all mixed together which is exactly what a dj would do exactly what a dj would have done in the in the mid 80s that's how hip-hop started with a guy with a bunch of old classic vinyl and he's got one deck slowing this down he's got another deck speeding this up And got the that's what they're doing and um wow you really got me going on a rabbit trail there I... <laughs> you
2: know i've heard
1: q-tips say
2: we we uh, we didn't know how to play the instruments and uh, Uh, and so we turned the records into our instruments and uh made virtue out of out of necessity and it's it almost reminds me of soul food in that way that that you know people are working with the scraps uh, that that they they're given and, and turning it into something fresh. Um, but uh, the the other thing about Q-tip uh, is is that he uh, was able to uh, supposedly, according to his engineer um, Bob Power, uh, that he had this mind uh for samples where he could um think about what three different samples would sound like on top of each other and uh and and oh, wow. do it all in his mind when the technology wasn't there. Um and so you could only you could only do one sample at a time and I'm I'm no expert on how these machines work. Um but 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 apparently the they, they could only do one sample at a time uh and and he, he could paint it all in his head, and and he was kind of the visionary. And then Ali Shahid Muhammad was kind of the executioner on the beats, and and uh, and, and Q-Tip would, uh, uh, would would tell Ali Shahid what Muhammad what what he saw and. and uh, and uh, Ali Shahid Muhammad
1: would would uh, would make it happen. Wow, that's so great. I, I love that. I just and and I'm and I'm like I said before, I'm I'm seeing it so much differently than I used to, and I'm seeing it for a, an artistry in and of itself, which is like and I had never heard that quotation from Q-Tip that they they couldn't play the instruments, so they the records were their instruments, and I love that. Um, that really helps in enjoying it more, even more than I already do. This was still kind of the era of
2: the hip-hop group. And and uh, it was really like right. after uh, maybe 1992, you don't see any more great hip-hop group summer right singers. yeah uh, that's and a good point. Uh, and it's and it's all uh, kind of solo al- artists and and uh and sometimes kind of posses or labels but um uh and 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 the way you um when you see how fruitful uh the collaboration uh Is an endless group. It it makes me.
1: It makes me miss that. Some in in hip hop. So I I hope it comes back. Yeah, me too. That I. You know, I hadn't thought about that. There's not. It. It all goes to solo artists after this, doesn't it? There's not too many rap groups that hang on. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Except up in Canada, we had the Rascals. (laughs) if you've listened to the show before you know we have a spotify playlist sound logic favorites uh, we pick two tracks from every album to go on that playlist every album that we've reviewed and when we have a guest we'd love to have our guests pick those tracks so Manuel, we'll give you the difficult cha- challenge of picking two tracks from this album to represent uh what this means to you what you want people to to hear from it who haven't heard before so what two tracks put you on the spot here what two tracks would you put on that playlist you know,
2: I, I was gonna go. Okay, the first one is easy. Check the rhyme. I was okay. gonna go to scenario for the second one, um, but after this discussion, I, I think we uh, we need to stick with excursions. Um, I, I think uh, I think that that those two are, are more representative of the, the album overall.
0: Awesome. awesome, two good choices. <laughs> great tracks yeah
1: i don't know ben maybe we'll turn some of these questions over to to manuel um and we can maybe put a couple cents in here but uh we'd like to ask and i think this is really important we'd like to ask is this music still relevant we we talk about a lot of these albums about how they were uh foundations especially at the beginning of hip hop or the golden age of hip hop we see obviously how this was foundational but when we listen to music today popular music and most popular music today is hip hop or has got hip hop rap elements in it it kind of dominates the landscape of music from from pop to uh to rock to country it's everywhere um mm-hmm. and hip hop itself so when you hear the music is coming out today and you listen to this, is this still relevant? Uh, and if so, why, what do you think, Manuel?
2: Um, so it's definitely relevant. Um, I think, you know, sonically, uh, that they, they really, uh, um, took sampling to a new level. Uh, and, sampling became more difficult after this, um, because of, of copyright laws and and lawsuits. But, um, uh, but, but I think that that continued to, uh, have, have a big influence, uh, over, over the genre. Um, also, um, you know, there, there's, uh, a tribe called quests impact on, on artists and, and they um, you know played a, a pivotal role in the launch of, of other important artists' careers like Buster Rhymes on on this album. Uh, it was this this was really uh, his his verse on scenario uh, would launch his career. Yeah. Um, they they played a role in in launching Nas and, and Mob Deep. Um, but they also influenced a lot of subsequent uh artists. Um, you know, from from to Eminem to Kanye West to Kendrick uh, Lamar, um, you know, uh, artists who don't necessarily sound like Tribe Called Quest, but but were inspired by the creativity, um, and and constantly reference Tribe Called Quest in their songs. Actually, and then I also think um, that what they did, I think, in breaking down some of these sub genres. Of hip hop, and that you have to have your gangsters over here and your political rap over there. Um, uh, that 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 also uh, is is something that we see happening more and more today. Um, and uh, and so I, I I think this this album uh, definitely has has an enter- enduring impact.
0: I think that's well said and not a whole lot to add, although I will say one thing. um, I stumbled upon their um, MTV Unplugged uh, performance, which I was really surprised to find uh, because I don't listen to this (laughs) album and think, man, this could be acoustically driven. Um, But it, it can be, and it's pretty cool when they do, and it makes me think the stuff they've crafted here is is moldable and um can can be t- taken into different shapes and forms and i think there's something about relevancy tied up in that too um when you've got something that has a life form that can can be transport transported i think that makes it really relevant uh um, even if it does sound a little dated uh in, in terms of its lyrical style at at times um, yeah.
1: yeah, I don't have much to add, except I'll say if you... I live in uh, in a rural suburban town about an hour away from the, the largest city in Canada, which is Toronto. And it's fairly... Most people in this town look like me. Um, <laughs> it's not... It's more diverse than it used to be, but it's not entirely diverse. But if you want to see a bunch of 40-year-old white people really loosen up, you put on some old-school hip-hop, <laughs> and you're going to see a bunch of smiles. People get very nostalgic, and it's fascinating to me that even though we grew up, people listened to rock and country and all sorts of stuff here, But it but that music was it was here as well and people were getting into it and maybe their parents didn't appreciate it and maybe not all their friends appreciate it but it was it was here Mm -hmm. and you put it on and everyone in the room will go oh yeah you know like just get right into it i remember this and i find that absolutely fascinating and um uh so is it relevant well (laughs) (laughs) i think i think certainly it people still are very nostalgic for it and now you know our age group people in their early 40s we're the ones who are starting to come into more executive roles uh getting doctorates and becoming professors and now teaching the next generation and uh, owning businesses and starting to influence and we're the ones who are bringing this music up just like our parents did with uh the beatles and all that stuff so um and then if we look at the music being made today no question it's a no-brainer answer right there so yeah i can't say it quite as nicely as you did manuel <laughs> but yes absolutely um and a nice segue uh we'll roll into um Kind of, we like to talk about the positioning. This is album. This is number 43 uh, out of 500, uh, which is which is pretty awesome. You mentioned um, Manuel. You're guessing that most of the artists, uh, the, the hip hop artists that we've talked about, are are kind of that golden age. Most of them are. There's some, as Ben mentioned, some newer ones. But I do want to say something that we're at number 43 and this is like what Ben about our eighth or 10th hip hop album so far. And on the previous, previous version of this list that came out in 2012, the first hip hop album on the list was number 48. And that was, it takes a nation of millions. And now that album is number 15. So you see again, a huge shift in diversity, a huge shift in relevancy in what's relevant to the people uh, actually, my wife, Nora, asked me yesterday, so who voted on this list? And we read through the list, and it is so much more diverse. Ben, in your coffee table book of the 2003 list, it, it lists everyone, and it's it's fairly uh, <laughs> pretty much uh, – and people who don't even – like sportscasters and stuff. It's a very – it's not a diverse –
0: when they tried to get a bit of diversity, they went outside of music and found white men from other industries to, to sample. So like, yeah, it's sort of a funny. Yeah. So, uh,
1: so, so you get the voting group. Um, so I just wanted to mention that for context that, you know, you have this here, uh, but it's in good company. And, and in this group of 10 from 41 to 50, I think we've got four hip hop albums. We've got a, a Nas album coming up next. We've got, Um, I believe, uh, outcast and I think Jay-Z as well. Um, so like tons of great hip hop, uh, but, but based on that little knowledge and of the lists, you know, what do you think Manuel about, about this being number 43 greatest of all time? Is that appropriate? Do you think it's, it's too high? Do you think it could be closer to one? What, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm biased because, uh, of the, the impact that my, my personal attachment to, uh, to the album, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I, I don't think, uh, I don't think it needs to be, uh, I don't think it needs to be higher. Um, I, uh, but I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm proud to see it, uh, uh in, in, in such good standing and, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just I just think it's so cool that the that these these people they're, they're, you know, as individual MCs, I think, you know, you you mentioned it's not the most sophisticated lyrics compared to, you know, these these people you're going to be discussing in the next uh, um, next weeks. Hmm. Um, But uh, it's, it's, it's the chemistry and, and, and the vibe you get when you put them together and they're, they're, they're punching above their weight as a, as a team. And so I'm, uh, I'm happy to see them even ahead of Jay-Z and Nas and, and, uh, and
1: Outkast. I love it. Cool. Anything to add there, Ben? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use my cop out answer and say, you know, I'm I'm comfortable with it here. Uh, I like it here. Um, I think it, I think it fits well. It's maybe not the most commercially successful hip hop album. It's maybe not what people would say is the best. Although I don't know how you say even say that, but it's certainly a really good one and a really important one.
0: Yeah, I think it's got a playfulness that. Um, uh, <laughs> this is sort of another embarrassing part of who I am, but my whiteness doesn't struggle uh, to find the energy to, to deal with the content here in the way that some of the more heavy albums we've tackled uh, uh, is challenged by, nor does it have the like aggressive in your face, gangster rap style. And so I find this far more palatable and, and, want it to be higher on the list, but I can see that in myself. Um, That's a dangerous like step of like saying uh, it's easier for me as a person of privilege to want to push this higher um, than some of the other stuff that we've tackled lately. Um, And so I don't know what to do with, with that. Right. Like uh, there's something good in it and also something that I I still need to like deal with and wrestle with in myself. So um, yeah, I, I, I will say that I like this more than most of the hip hop that we have, have tackled so far. Um, I really enjoyed this album in a way that I don't think I would use that word enjoyed to, to describe, um, uh, some of the stuff that we, Wu-Tang especially comes to (laughs) mind. It's like, uh, there's greatness there, but it was really hard to, (laughs) to, to say that I really enjoyed that album. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's another one that I'm glad I got to hear, and I'm, I'm glad we get to wrestle with it, and I'm glad we get to wrestle with it in community, and and uh, and we keep going on this journey together.
1: Yeah, you, Manuel, you said the these lyrics are not as sophisticated, and that reminds me, I forgot to mention my favorite lyric uh, from show business: uh, "Go get yourself some toilet paper because your lyrics is butt." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, i thought i should probably throw that in there before we end um we we love to mention if we're gonna if any if the artist that we talk about has any more albums on this list and there is one more uh number 201 midnight marauders uh comes in there and i think that's their third album that's Um, their third album yeah right so that one comes in and if i'm not mistaken that album uh did not appear on any of the previous iterations of this list. So that's, that's right. a new yeah. that's new a edition. new entry into uh into the Rolling Stone list. So always great to hear that or to see that happening. Yeah. Um
0: and this album was number one fifty three, so it is it is shot up significantly as well. Yeah. So, so, yeah. But a hundred and hundred and ten spots.
2: Yeah, if you uh if you enjoy this one, definitely check that one out too. It's
1: yeah.
0: Would you be willing to come um, back on the program with us in uh, a few years' time when we finally get to that one? (laughs) When we get there, you
1: got it. (laughs) You'll have a two- or
0: three-year-old running around. You'll have uh, far less time than you do now with an infant (laughs) quietly sleeping. Um, Yeah.
1: yeah. (laughs) yeah. Um, Well, that brings us to the end of our time together. Manuel, we want to thank you so much for joining us. It's been great to to hear your, your voice in this and get to know you a little bit. And we just want to say again, thank you so much for sharing uh, your insight with us. It's, it's been great having you.
2: Hey, um, I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. And now I'm curious is, uh, is Drake anywhere on the, on the list? Are we going to get some uh, Canadian hip hop?
0: Yep. Drake is on. uh, I don't think he was on any lists up until this new one, but I think there are two or three of his albums on this new list um now yeah he-
1: we got uh number 95 2011's take care number 367 is 2015's if you're reading this it's too late so he's got two uh some yeah some canadian hip-hop
2: yeah yeah uh, we'll is- get some, uh, well you'll you'll have uh you'll have some good uh good uh, toronto insight maybe to that's maybe right. to share. from the six <laughs> from <Yeah>. the six <laughs> that's right
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But thanks, All my right. friend. Well, this uh, hopefully, this yeah. Hopefully, this college town we call home can figure its COVID act out here shortly, and we can get coffee again sometime soon.
1: I would love to do that. Yeah, Ben, what do we got coming up next time?
0: We're um, we're rolling on with uh, Rolling Stone's top 500 album list to number 44. Next up is another hip hop album. Um, another. From this same uh, sort of peak era, era, I think "Ilmatic" by Nas. Um, So that'll be a good one.
2: With with production from uh, Q-Tip from a tribe called Quest.
1: Nice. (laughs) All right. Excellent tie-in. Yeah, great tie-in. Just one or two of the songs. Yeah. Okay. Right. Oh, that's great. Uh, Lots of collaboration between the artists always. Um, We hope you'll join us again. Uh, for that episode until that time we hope you continue to be well that you take care of yourself and those around you and that you join us next time on the sound logic podcast awesome if you like what you hear subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review
0: send us a message at our facebook page on instagram or through our sound logic podcast twitter feed thanks for listening